Thank you for listening. This is R.L. Stevens, live from Charlottesville. I've been here since Tuesday in the aftermath of a fascist terror attack in this town. It's been an eye-opening experience. I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of people. I hope you got a chance to listen to the Haven episode that I just recorded yesterday. Um, But today, I have a special treat for you all. I went to the DSA Charlottesville meeting, and they were kind enough to talk to me, some of them, to talk to me after the meeting was over. I will say, without a shadow of doubt, um, that this was one of the best, if not the best, DSA meeting I've ever been to. And I'm really confident in the work that they're all doing going forward. And they take this work very seriously. Without further ado, here's the interview. It's a little raucous. We didn't do names. We wanted you to catch the spirit of what it was like, what solidarity was like in this space. And so uh, check it out. This is R.L. Stevens of Jacobin Magazine, live from Charlottesville, Virginia. We met at the DSA meeting here in Charlottesville, and you were doing security here. And uh, you're not a member of DSA, but you came to help out. And I wanted to, you said something really interesting in the meeting today, and I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk here. So um, let's start with, like, where you're from and, you know, what you've thought about being a black man in this community for, for a number of years. Well, um, I'm from Charlottesville, Virginia, um, born and raised here. So, you know, uh, I went to high school here. And like I said, in, in 1983, we had a racial riot here. So racism has been in this town basically ever since I've been in school and since I've been born here. But the thing about it was I was born, I was raised in basically neighborhoods where there were all kinds of colors of people, black, white, Asian, Mexican, and we all got along, you know. But then there's always the behind-the-door stuff, you know. So when this happened in Charlottesville, I already knew what was going down. I knew these people that were coming here weren't nice. You know, it was just, you know, it, it was a bunch of hate. Racism and bigotry. That, that's what happened in Charlottesville. I mean, the stuff I saw, no police protection. I mean, where were the police? We paid the taxes for that. You know, you should be protecting us. Protect the citizens. What, what did you specifically see them, like, not doing? I, I, I saw several fights break out where there were policemen probably within 10 to 15 feet of fights that were going on. And... The police didn't even come and break it up. I mean, I've gotten on fights on the downtown mall where, you know what, the police arrested me. They took me to jail for defending myself and punching people in the face. And you know what, I was arrested. But people, not even from our town, did the same thing. And they were not arrested. I mean, the cops just turned their backs. It was really sad, to say the least. Hold on one second. Excuse me. Would you be able to just do a little comment real quick? Oh, yeah, come, come on, come on, come on. You, you don't have to give your name if you don't want to. Just, like, how did you feel that day? Um, and, like, how do you feel now after that meeting? Um, this is going to sound weird, and maybe it's just a measure of my cynicism, but I actually expected the main protest to be worse, mostly because I expected the police to be involved more heavily. Um, in fact, when leading up to it, when I was kind of giving people advice, you know, suggestions and advice, a lot of it had to do with dealing with the possibility of police violence. Um, So that didn't happen at around noon. By that time, everything had calmed down. That was when their permit was supposed to start. And by that time, they'd already been chased out of the park um, by, like, Antifa and other local groups. At first, I felt, you know, I had a lot of adrenaline, but I felt almost um, 
like, oh, okay, good. Like, you know, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. And I was wrong and nobody's going to get seriously injured. And then, of course, I was wrong about that, too. Um, I don't know. Safety, it's a problem because I think the main takeaway from this is that leading up to this, my roommate and I got threats um, from this even before anybody had come to town. And, you know, neither of us were planning on staying at our own apartment that weekend just because of that. We weren't sure if they had our address or any of that. I think the thing about this happening here in my city, like affecting me even at home, it doesn't feel like it's something that I leave my house and go do as like a hobby and then come home. It's like, oh, this is my life now. I'm gonna just gonna fight Nazis forever, uh, which I'm cool with, that's okay. I think my younger self would be like pretty down with where I am right now, um, but it's a very strange feeling to just kind of like calmly in your head go over the fact that you're not that you've decided that you're not going to stop even if it's dangerous um and kind of considering what that means about your relationships with the people around you I worry I worry that I have influence over other people who might follow me into dangerous situations you know, I, on one hand, I, I want everyone to get involved. I want every single person I know to be on it all the time. And on the other hand, I feel immensely protective of my friends and my community. And so, I mean, you can, Jeremy was there the, the, the entire day. Uh, I kept saying to the people I was there with, all right, you have to text so-and-so and tell them to leave. And then I kept saying, no, no, they're adults. They can make their own choices. We're all here together. But I kept going back and forth because I want people to be involved and I also want everybody to be safe. And, like, we've clearly reached the point where not everybody, I mean, we've always been at the point where not everybody is safe. And uh, so that's kind of a weird contrast where I want people to get more hyped up and more, I guess, enthusiastic, if not explicitly militant. But I, I want people to get more involved and I also want everybody to just, like, run away and save themselves. But you, but you also want people to take safety seriously and um and like i think you expressed in the meeting that you felt like a lot of people thought it was what was the word you used Uh, yeah i said i thought that a lot of people kind of see this as as melodramatic i mean um i think somebody else in the meeting said something like when they come here they feel like they're playing comrade and there's a whole lot of that and i feel that too it's very um I think it's something that kind of the other side has been saying for a long time is that anybody who uh, who thinks that that the world is dangerous is kind of like a hysterical fringe weirdo. And it's just a bunch of like, you know, college anarchists who like, you know, want to want to pretend like they're in a movie or something. And, you know, that's true. There are a lot of those people and they are ridiculous. But at the same time as ridiculous as you feel it's better to feel ridiculous than to to regret that you didn't take things seriously right now ty you're shaking your head because you yeah you took it very seriously uh when you when you hit the scene can you describe um what it was like when you were uh what you saw like and how you came into that space like I said, I was with six guys, so when we first got down there, we we, we really, you know, we, we got there kind of like when every all the fights were breaking out. So we thought it was just one big war going on, 
you know, there were just, like, cops standing around. And we, we went through, like, some cops with riot gear and stuff like that. So we were like, oh, nothing's going on. But then we heard all the noise by the park. So we went up by that, and that's when a bunch of stuff was going on. And we got some pushing and shoving matches with people and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, like, all right, there's going to be a bunch of arrests and stuff like this. So we kind of broke off. But there was no police around arresting anybody or doing anything. So, like she says, when I, we kind of thought things were, like, over. But the cops kind of left people, like, hanging. It was like a free-for-all. I mean, they were, I mean, they were lined up on the mall, like, blocking streets and stuff with riot gear and stuff like that. You know what? I actually, when I saw the cops there, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the cops. I'm not going to lie. I kind of felt safe when I saw a bunch of cops there with riot gear. I was like, all right, they got this. If anything breaks out, big tank with a dude on a sniper on the top of it. I was like, oh, this is sweet. Three arrests happened. I mean, there should have been, like, 300 arrests or more. I mean, and I just saw basically a war zone in Charlottesville. I'm not going to lie. A terrorist attack. That's what it was. I didn't um, go back to the park until we were walking downtown to go to Heather's Memorial. And walking past the park, it seemed like a movie set or something. Like, that's not where it actually happened. And, like, the only thing that that was like, no, this actually happened, it wasn't just, like, a weird dream, is that all the stains from all of the pepper spray bombs that they were throwing at us were still there and it was just it was really strange to have like an armed militia throwing smoke bombs and rocks at you and just watching the police calmly let like just watch i've never seen police underreact at a protest before i've always seen them overreact and here it was it was just legitimately confusing to watch so can you describe going into the projects and when the, when the Nazis tried to storm the projects? Can you tell us, tell us that story? Well, wh- wh- what we heard was like we were on a different side of the mall. So we got some text messages that said, hey, they're going up into Friendship Court. That's basically almost like a predominantly black neighborhood. But there are white people that live over there and sort of like Section 8 kind of place. But that doesn't matter. I mean, it's people of all colors that live over there. So when we heard that, we were like, okay, there's going to be a lot of trouble because we had heard they were like militia, which I don't trust. I don't care who you are. Militia are kind of crooked anyway. So when I when I saw, like, you know, them going over there, we ran up there, but the, the black guys that live over there or the gangs or whatever, because there's gangs over there, they ran them out of there. We caught them when they were coming back, and the crowd kind of followed us going up there. Like I said, six of us, we were armed. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, you know. We were smart enough to go downtown with weapons. But the thing about it was the ride police were coming up at the same time, and they encircled the militia to, to guard them from the crowd. You know, And there were people like yelling you know, at them. i got to say one thing about, about whoever these people were. They were kind of being like quiet. They were scared. I mean, the, the, guys, the guys we saw, and there were girls also that had weapons. It was probably maybe 10 to 15 of them, but it was probably like 150 people, maybe 200 people surrounding them. And the cop. Like, like from the neighborhood mostly or demonstrators too or what? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I saw some people that, you know, I work with, but I didn't know everybody that was around there. So it was just basically citizens. There were a lot of people. I mean, I mean there was a, old white people saying, get the fuck out of my town. Or, you know, you motherfuckers and all this. I mean, there, I mean, I was I was proud to see like old white people saying, "Hey, get the fuck out." I was like, "Hey, old white people on our side, we got this. I got your back too. I I got a gun. I'll protect you." You know, but it was just basically mayhem. And you know what? When they finally 
fake the person kind of falling out and needing an ambulance there. That was their out. So basically in South Street parking lot, when they left, they they started to try to run over us with cars and stuff. I mean, just everybody that was around because people weren't letting them go. And <laughs> as funny as this story sounds, one dude tried to start his car up and his battery was dead. <laughs> And he was like, he was like, like there were police officers there. He's like, officer, um, I need assistance. I need to jump. And the officer just kept walking by them and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, we got you and stuff like that. It was like so funny. He's like, officer, officer, no. But the thing about it was the crowd just like jumped on them. And once the cops left, then it was just them. But then they got serious about their guns. They were like, if you're not going to leave, we're going to use these cars as like battering ramps. And that's when, and and that's probably before. That was probably about. 20 minutes before Heather got hit because the one car they tried to run over people, like a big crowd started going toward their, their car. It was like a, um, a gray Lexus SUV, and they chased them down out of the South Street parking lot. And, you know, the light is red right there. You got to stop or whatever. So, you know, they chased them. I mean, big crowds were just chasing these people. So it was it was mayhem. I mean, and the cops were, like, right there. There was a big army tank with, like, a sniper dude on it just, like, at the end of the street. They weren't doing nothing but just sitting there. So after all of this happened, you feel, come on, who, who, who else wants to share? We got to, this is a whole, this is a whole squad. We're just, we're just rapping about this. I think in the meeting people were saying that they wanted this story to be shared, like, far and wide and like how do you like so how do you feel you don't have to give your name you can give your name if you want but i I just started listening along because we were we were here for some of these events but you know you always sort of have partial knowledge when you're in this you know big crowd like this and so we saw you know we were in the south south street parking lot when that car started to sorry yeah (laughs) started to uh started to head out um we hadn't seen it hit anybody but we saw we heard some shouting and we we saw a group of people sort of running after the car as it veered away and it you know it was like honking on its horn to root around traffic even though there were red lights and stuff and people were throwing stones at it um yeah but that sped off and yeah that was about probably 20 minutes before um things happened with heather and also i mean so we also we, when probably a few minutes before that we noticed uh there must have been at least 20 25 30 i have a picture of it uh riot gear clad police officers just escorting out a single SUV of white supremacists. <laughs> you know, I mean like that was the police presence. There like the amount the, the, lot of, the amount of resources they were willing to commit to protecting these two white supremacists was massive. And then, you know, the, you know. And then they let them beat they let them beat, you know, DeAndre Harris almost to death and and a bunch of other people. Um so how did it feel how did it feel to Well, first of all, I'm here with presumably three white people is is that correct okay three white people that are like the cops are not here to protect us the police are like so what's up like what happened like how do you feel now emerging from this this uh this event like let's let's go with you okay um confused <laughs> i don't know what their job is <laughs> i don't know like <laughs> what if like based on what they were doing on the weekend, I mean, it was just it was just nonsense. It was just garbage. <laughs> like that thing I saw where there was like a a swarm of them, like personally escorting like a white supremacist vehicle out of the parking lot, rather than spreading out, you know, and pr- and protecting like the the forming mass of you know protesters. Um, that's just garbage. 
Does it change your understanding of like police, the role of the police in society, like in an everyday sense? Um, or, or like, did you already have like a critique of that? Like, what? How do you feel now? So I was already pretty skeptical of the police. I mean, I've had, I've never, you know, obviously experienced any sort of like racial profile or anything like that. But I've experienced uh, many times in my life where I could have used help from police, and they just don't care. Uh, and so I never really trusted the police. I kind of am very down with the idea that, like, systemically they were never here to protect us. Um, but I'm actually kind of optimistic coming out of this because, I mean, like Ty was saying, those white supremacists were afraid. They're scary and they are dangerous and we need to take them seriously. But if you're smart and you fight back, you can make them afraid. And that's really important for people to know because I think when you do suddenly understand the enormity of what's happening, it feels overwhelming and you feel paralyzed and like it's pointless to even fight back. And it's not pointless because you can, you can literally run them out of your town. You can do that if you get enough people together. So like, so beyond just the event though, as far as like running, you know, running them out of the town and like what the police are really about, like how do you see this experience transforming how you engage like politics moving forward who who wants to take that well so i think for me it's 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 made me really reconsider what the place of violence is in radical politics which doesn't sound so great but i think you know like we we marched down with the uh the clergy on the way down there and then you know they sort of demonstrated nonviolently and they went up to block emancipation park and, you know, they told the people that didn't want to, people that didn't want to block the park, like, don't come up if you don't want a risk of arrest. But it wasn't part of the deal, like, don't come up if you want to be, don't want to be beat by white supremacists. You know, like, they were so certain that the police were going to intervene, uh, even among that sort of group. And, you know, Cornell West was with that group, those sorts of things. But uh, that is clearly not how it went. And so, you know, we, I remember thinking when the, when the anti-fascists arrived that it led, like, really changed the vibe of the protest from like an old school sort of civil rights gathering that was, you know, nonviolent demonstration to something that was totally different. And at first we weren't sure if we liked it, but then we were glad they were there when the, you know, Nazis yeah. showed up with shields yeah. and clubs. <laughs> so I think, I mean, and that was Friday night or this is Saturday. 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 This is Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I would just say I have the exact same reaction. Like I would like to think that there's something good about me and that I wouldn't hit somebody but now I feel like I don't know next time I want to be ready to defend somebody so I'm I think I think it has like radicalized a lot of people and I think also for your other question about the police I think I was already pretty anti-police but the event that radicalized me on on that was being like involved like I was in St. Louis like during the Mike Brown protest so all right, so, yes, right here. Boom. What do you think? What do I think? I oh, think I'm horrible at <laughs> talking on the mic. I can do this? I think if the anti-fascists hadn't shown up, it would have been a fucking bloodbath because they were out to kill us. They said as much for months in advance, uh, and nobody listened, and the cops watched as people were being pelted with fire and rocks and did nothing, and people went up to the police and said, what? To help us. And I am I also not a big fan of police intervention at the uh, July 8th rally. They went way overboard. I do not like tear gas in my face. Uh, but if the anti-fascists had not been there, there would have been a lot more blood in the streets, without a doubt. Where do you all want to go forward? Like, you, like what, what's the next? Are you really, are you in this? Like, what do you, like, how, how have you been? 
You're what? So, okay. So I'm 100% in this. And I've, uh, as I kind of said in the meeting, I might be more like even more on the fringe radical left than most people I know. Um, but I think that what's become really apparent to me is that what's important is definitely coalition building because no matter how bad things get, not everybody's going to join an Antifa group. Like, that's just never going to happen, ever. And it's really important for people to understand that being an activist isn't like a hobby or a job. It's just taking care of your community. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. And, you know, people shouldn't feel like they need to be all in to be in at all. And, and people should definitely understand that even just taking care of your neighbors can be a political action. So, all right. So you want people to be encouraged. What do you want them to take you? You all said a lot of things, but you, you feel confident. Yes. Who feels confident? Yeah. yeah? Everybody. Okay. <laughs> so I feel confident about you all. I think like the meeting that we just had, like I said in there was like the best DSA meeting I've ever been to. And I wanted to share with the listeners a little taste of like what people are talking about here and coming out of this meeting we didn't even say names for most people it doesn't even matter like there's a there's a spirit here to to fight for for the long haul and i want i want you all that are listening to this to to get that and catch that spirit you know catch the holy ghost of uh <laughs> of the socialist struggle <laughs> okay but um but yeah thank you for listening this is rl stevens live from charlottesville which i keep calling charleston and I need to stop. So <laughs> I finally got it right. So, all right. Thank you all for listening. And thank you all for coming on the show real quick.